Okay, we're live. So welcome to our Sutta study tonight. Tonight we're studying, beginning to study the Mahahati Padopama Sutta, Jimunikaya number 28. Uh, should, be, should get this one done in two nights, I think. So, as usual, we'll be reading the Pali, chanting the Pali first, and then reading and discussing a bit the... English. So without further ado, we can start. Namo tasa bhagavato varahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato varahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato varahato samma sambuddhasa Evam me sutang e kang samayam bhagava Savatiyam viharati jetavane anata pindika saarame Tatrako ayasma sariputo bhikkhu amantesi Avuso bhikkaveti avuso tikote bhikkhu Ayasmato sariputtasa pachasosum Ayasma sariputto etadavocha Sayatapiyavuso yanikaniti Jangaanam parnanam padajatani Sambhanitani hati pande samodhanam gachanti Hati padangte sangagamakayati Yadidam mahandatena Eva meva kova uso ye kichikusaladamma Sabete chatuso ariyasachesu sangagachanti Katame su chatuso Duke ariyasache dukka samudaye ariyasache Dukkha nirodhe ariyasache dukkha nirodhagaminiya partikripadaya ariyasache Katamanjavuso dukkha ariyasacham Jati pidukkha jara pidukkha Maranam pidukkha soka parideva dukkha dohana supaya sa pidukkha Yam pichang nadamati tam pidukhang Sankite na panchubadana kanda dukha Katame chavuso panchubadana kanda Sayati yang rupa padana kanto vedanu padana kanto Sanyupadana kanto sankarupadana kanto Vinyanupadana kanto Katamojausorupadana kanto Chattarimahamahabhutani chattunanchamahabhutanam Upadaya rupam Katamashauso Chattaro Mahabhuta Patavitatu Apodatu Tejotatu Vayodatu Katamashauso Patavitatu 
Katamashavusojatikasiyabahirakatamashavusojatikapatavidatu-yangajatam-pajatam-kakalang-karikatam-upadinam-sayatilang-kesalomanakadantarajomangsang. Naru arti arti minjang wakang hadayang yakanang kilo makang biakang papasang antangan tegunam dari yang karisang yang wapananya bikin sian catang pacatang kakang karigatang papadinang Ayang wujatau so anjatika patawidatu Yashiva kopana anjatika patawidatu Yajabahira patawidatu patawidatu lewaswesa Tamne tangmamane so hamasmi ame so adhati Ewa me tang yatabu tang sama panya yadatamang. Ewa me tang yatabu tang sama panya yadiswa. Patawida tu ya mintati. Patawida tu ya chitang virajiti. Odiko so auso samayoyam. Yang bahira apa datu baku pati antara hita dasming samaye bahira patawi datu hoti dasahina mahuso bahira ya patawi datu yang tawa mahal mahalika ya nicipta panyaisati. Kaya mata panya isati, wayada mata panya isati. Viparina mata mata panya isati. King panimasa mata kakasa kaya satanu padinasa. Ahantiwa mahantiwa asmitiwa. Atakwasa no teweta hoti. Tanjabhusobhikkubhareyakosanti Paribhasantirosentilihesenti Soevampajanati Uppannakomeyayamsotasampasajatudukhavedana Sachakopatichanohapachichakimpaticha Pasang paticchaso paso anicchato pasati Vedana anicchati pasati Sanya anicchati pasati Sankara anicchati pasati Vinyanam anicchanti pasati Tassadataramarnamevatitang pakkandati Pasidati santipati alimujati Tanshaya usobhikkum pariyanitei Akantei amanapehi samudacharanti Parnisampasenapi lethusampasenapi 
Dandasampasinapisatasampasinapisoevampajanatitatabutogoayangayo.tatabutasmingayeparnisampasapikamanti.lejusampasapikamanti.dandasampasapikamanti. Uttanko panetam bhagavata kakachupamovade Uvato dandakena chepi vikave Kakachena chora ochaka angamangani Okandeyum tatrapiyo manopadyuseyanamesotena sasanakarotikti Aradhanko paname viriyam bhavisadhi asalinam Upatita satyasamamuta pasadokayo asarato Samahitam chitam ekagam Kamangani masminkaye parnisampasapikamantu Leidu sampasapikamantu Tanda sampasa pikamantu, Sata sampasa pikamantu, Kariyati hidanguda namsa sananti, Tasa jaya uso bikuno ewang buddham, Anusarato ewang damang anusarato, Ewang sangkang anusarato, Upekat kusalanisita na santati Sote na sangvichati sangvegang apajati Alabhavatame na vatame labhaduladang vatame Na vatame suladang Yasame evang buddhang anusarato Evang dhammam anusarato Ewang sangkam manusarato Upeka kusalanisita na santatiti Sayyatapiya uso sunisasasuram Iswa sangwijati sangwigang apanjati Ewamevako auso tasachebikuno Ewang buntang manusarato, ewang damang manusarato, ewang sangkang manusarato, peka kusalanisita na santati, sote na sangwijati sangwigang mapadjati, alaba watame na watame labaduladang watame na watame suladang, Yasame evang buntang anusarato, evang damang anusarato, evang sangkang anusarato, pekat kusalisita na sampatiti. Tasacea usobikuno, evang buntang anusarato, evang damang anusarato, evang sangkang anusarato, Upeka kusalani sita santati, sotena atamanahoti, etawata pikoa uso pikuno bagukatanghoti, 
Katamajausoapodatuapodatusiapanjatika,siapahira,katamajausoajatika,apodatu,yangajatampachatangapoapokatangupadinang,sayatidangpitangsimampumpolohitang, Sedo medo asuasakilo singarnika, lasika mutang yang wapanan yang ping, kinciacatang pacatang apo apo katang padinam, ayang wujatau so hajatika apo datu, yacivako panajatika apo datu. Ya Chabahira Apodadu Apodadu Rewesa Tanneyutang Mamane So Tamasminame So Atati Ewametang Yatabutang Samapanya Yatatabang Ewametang Yatabutang Samapanya Yatiswa Apodayuyamimindati apodayuyajitang virajiti Otikoso avuso samayo yang bahira apodatupakupati Sagamampiwati nigamampiwati Nagarampiwati janapadampiwati Chanapadapadesampiwatihotikosohavuso Samayoyang mahasamudeyo chanasatikanipi Udagani ogachanti Duiyo chanasatikanipi Udagani ogachanti Tiyo chanasatikanipi Udagani ogachanti Chattuyo jamasatikani udakani yogachanti Panchayo jamasatikani biudakani yogachanti Chayo jamasatikani biudakani yogachanti Satayo jamasatikani biudakani yogachanti Otikoso auso samayo yam samhasamunde Satta-talampi-udakam-santati Chatta-talampi-udakam-santati Pancha-talampi-udakam-santati Chaldur-talampi-udakam-santati Tita-talampi-udakam-santati Vita-talampi-udakam-santati Talamatampi-udakam-santati Otikoso avuso samayoyam mahasamute Satapori sampi udakang santati Chapori sampi udakang santati Manchapori sampi udakang santati Chatupori sampi udakang santati Tipori sampi udakang santati Tuipori sampi udakang santati Purisamodasamatampiyudakangsantati Otikoso avuso samayoyang mahasamude Ardapurisampiyudakangsantati Katimatampiyudakangsantati 
Jāṇukāmatāṁpi-udhakāṁ-santāti Tava Mahalikaya Nichata Panya Yisati Kayadamata Panya Yisati Vayadamata Panya Yisati Viparinamadamata Panya Yisati King Panima Samatatakasataya Atkwasanotevitahotipe Okay, we'll stop there. That's actually more than halfway. Hmm, that was difficult, that chanting. I think the English will be a little easier, but this is a difficult sutta, actually. It's, um, it's um, actually, this one doesn't feature the Buddha at all. It's Sariputta who gives this discourse. He's one of the few... He has, he has more, he's the, the one who has more suttas in his name, to his name, than anyone besides the Buddha. Obviously because he's the Buddha's psychic, but the Buddha's right-hand man. But um, you'll notice that there's a different flavor to them. The, the, the Sariputta was quite analytical. So he's very much into explaining the Buddha's teachings in an analytical fashion. And it's very much in the flavor of what you find in the Abhidhamma or the Patisambhidha Manga or even the Visuddhi Manga, sort of what it's uh, based on, sort of taking the Buddha's teaching and extrapolating upon it and systematizing it. So let's, uh, okay, let's get started then. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the Blessed One was living at Sawati in Jade's Grove, Anatta Pindika's Park. There the Venerable Sariputta addressed the bhikkhus thus, Friends, bhikkhus, friend, they replied. The Venerable Sariputta said this. They notice um, they're still using the word friends for each other. This is how they addressed, addressed each other during the time of the Buddha. Once the Buddha passed away, then they would address the senior monk. The juniors would address the seniors as bhante, and only the seniors would address the juniors as friend. There. Friends, just as the footprint of any living being that walks can be placed within an elephant's footprint, and so the elephant's footprint is declared the chief of them because of its great size, so too all wholesome states can be included in the Four Noble Truths. And what for? In the Noble Truth of Suffering, in the Noble Truth of the Origin of Suffering, in the Noble Truth of the Cessation of Suffering, and in the Noble Truth of the Way Leading to the Cessation of Suffering. Okay, so the first simile of the elephant's footprint was 
that uh, when you see an elephant's footprint, you can there's the idea that you can know the el know what kind of an elephant it is by its footprint, and the Buddha said that's not the case. But that's the uh, shorter discourse or the minor discourse on the simile of the elephant's footprint. Here's the same object, but a totally different simile. The Four Noble Truths are the chief yeah, in regards to all wholesome states, or it's not even all wholesome states, in, re in, in regards to wholesomeness or the cultivation of wholesomeness, when you talk about cultivation of what is good, it all fits within the Four Noble Truths. So it's not just about the cultivation, it's not just about good wholesome states, but anything to do with the subject, anything to do with what's actually useful and beneficial, falls under the categories of the Four Noble Truths. It's a profound statement, it's a bold statement, but since they deal directly with happiness and suffering, if you're of the opinion that happiness and suffering are what's truly important, truly useful, true, no, truly uh, useful discussion, useful topic of discussion, then it makes perfect sense. So what he's going to do now is he's going to show how that works, how actually, he's going to give an example of how the Four Noble Truths um, cascade into other sets of Dhamma. So he's not going to pick, he's not going to explain the Four Noble Truths in detail, he's going to pick one piece of the Four Noble Truths and show a smaller part of the Dhamma that fits in with the Four Noble Truths, and then he's going to show a part of that Dhamma and a part of that Dhamma. It actually cascades into several layers. Here we have the Four Noble Truths, and that's standard, we know what those are. And what is the noble truth of suffering? Birth is suffering, aging is suffering, death is suffering, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are suffering. Not to obtain what one wants is suffering. In short, the five aggregates affected by clinging are suffering. Right. So um, we do kind of separate these into two categories, I would say. The, the everything else and the last one. Everything else is um, much more theoretical and abstract and and uh, conceptual. But when we talk about when we talk about um, the real definition of suffering is this, because everything else really fits into that. He's, he's giving examples in the first set. So what we really do have to focus on is this last one. It's more difficult to understand, you see, but uh, the, these these ones make it easier to understand what we're talking about: birth being suffering, aging being suffering. This is these things are easy to understand. You might this one might be difficult. How is birth suffering? But we can there's different ways of explaining that. It's not really important. The point is that stuff that we understand to be suffering, it's all in here. Uh, but this one, it's really making another point that really any anything that you can cling to, anything that arises is part of the truth of suffering because it either is painful or it's hard to maintain or it's uh, a cause for clinging which leads to suffering when it's gone. It's a cause for addiction and dissatisfaction. So, so what he's going, so instead of, he's not, he's not going to go through all four of the noble truths. I think at the end he might, I'm, I can't remember. But uh, he's showing in this cask in a cascading way, right? So then he he takes this last one, and the next paragraph he's going to just pick it. He's just going to talk about it. 
Okay. So what about so you pick the four noble truths and pick the first one and you can fit the five aggregate or you can fit all uh, the kinds of suffering in there. Right. The, the idea of suffering is is inside. Then inside of that are the five aggregates of clinging, and he's going to he's going to explain that. And what are the five aggregates affected by clinging? They are the material form aggregate affected by clinging, the feeling aggregate, the perception aggregate, the formation formations aggregate, and the consciousness aggregate affected by clinging. I don't know about this word affected. He's just inserting it in there. It's not in the Pali. The upadana kandas just means the clinging aggregate, the five clinging aggregates. So it's how you want to relate these two words up to the translator. The five aggregates of clinging are, are often what they're called, but um, I guess affected does kind of get the vague, get it across in a vague sort of general sense that it has something to do with clinging. The five clung to aggregates, maybe possible. There are five sorts of things that one can cling to, or the five things related to clinging, you might say. But really, I think it's the five clung to is probably the best. Five aggregates that are clung to. Or the five, the five sets of, of clingings that can occur based on five different types of objects. So aggregates of clinging kind of works because we're actually talking about. No, that's not true. It's the five aggregates that are clung to, because clinging itself is not the truth of suffering. The aggregates themselves are, but they're things that are clung to. And they're also the the basis of experience, the basis of reality in Buddhism, are these five aggregates. I think we've talked about these before, anyway. So then, in those five, so we're thinking in terms of the simile of, of footprints. Inside this latest footprint of the five aggregates, take the first aggregate and explain it. Smaller footprint, so this one. And what is the material form aggregate affected by clinging? It is the four great elements and the material form derived from the four great elements. And what are the four great elements? They are the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. Okay. Um, yeah, it may seem kind of weird that, like, in the beginning we talked about how this is all to do with wholesomeness, and you start to wonder when he, when he talks like this what this has to do with wholesomeness, what this has to do with good things. How, how is it useful? How is what we're talking about here useful? Four Noble Truths sounds interesting, happiness and suffering. But you'll see he's going to get into that. He does a, a really good job of, of explaining that. It's an important question to have in our minds. You know, how is it useful to, uh, to, to study these things? Why is it important that we know about the four elements? He's going to, he's going to give an explanation for that. So here he, he takes material form and explains it as two different things. The four great elements, the Mahabuddha, the word isn't quite element, the four great primaries maybe, or great great um, things that exist. Buddha mean, just means something that exists, or something that is evident. The four great evidence might be, a, like with a T on the end, evidence, things that are evident. Elements is if it was Dhatu, but uh, it, it does mean the four great elements, but the word isn't elements, the word is Buddha, it's not that. And the other set is the material form derived from the four great elements, or great primaries. Um, and those are like space, because space only arises based on the elements, it's what's in between stuff. If there's no stuff, there's no in-between. Uh, and all the, all the qualities of matter, like um, 
malleability or, or stiffness. Um, there's the femininity, masculinity. There, there's many, many different, many, many different derived forms. So based on the formation of matter, like in, in science we would say, talk about uh, maybe shininess or, or uh, wetness or uh, heat. No, but heat is, heat is already one of the four realms. Uh, I think movement, things like movement and so on, is how we understand. Anyway, it's like 20 of them or something. So, and then he takes that many focuses on the first one and says, what are the four great elements? And again, the four elements are not what we would normally think of them in the West as being like actual dirt, actual water, actual fire, actual air. It's not the only meaning here. This is the external fire element, the external earth, the external water. Well, that is the, what we th that is the conceptual idea that we have of them, but it also has to do with hardness, cohesion, heat, and uh, stiffness, or pressure, the characteristics of these elements, experientially, which is the really the most important part of, of, the, of the description, because it's what is practical for creating the arising of insight into experience. Anyway, so he's going to talk about the earth element as being both internal and external. What, friends, is the earth element? The earth element may be either internal or external. What is the internal earth element? Whatever internally belonging to oneself is solid, solidified, and clung to. That is, head hairs, body hairs, nails, nails teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, bone marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs, intestines, mesentery, contents of the stomach, feces, or whatever else internally, belonging to oneself, is solid, solidified, and clung to. This is called the internal earth element. Now both the internal earth element and the external earth element are simply earth element. And that should be seen as it actually is with proper wisdom thus. This is not mine, this I am not, this is not myself. When one sees it thus as it actually is with proper wisdom, one becomes disenchanted with the earth element and makes the mind dispassionate toward the earth element. Okay, this is, now we're getting somewhere with this whole wholesomeness because this is part of who we are and it's the sort of thing that is uh, clung to. Right? The point is, he talks about all the neurons, but whatever is clung to, all the solid stuff that is clung to, whatever it is about us, and actually, not so much this stuff. This is this is okay. I mean, this this is the conceptually clung to stuff. You know, you cling to our, we cling to our hair, we cling to our nails, our teeth, skin. We don't cling to much of the rest of the stuff. Not not uh, directly, but uh, it's included in here for for completion's sake. A lot of this stuff is useful for for tranquility meditation allowing us to let go of the attachment to the body. And we see how disgusting some of this stuff is and we realize, oh, the body's not really uh, not really full of sugar and spice and all things nice. It's girls. 
I, I'm an equal opportunity. <laughs> whatever else, whatever else internally belonging to oneself is solid, solidified and collective. So the point is being solid and the 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 hardness of it or the softness of it. When the feeling of of hardness when your bones touch each other or when you touch the floor or so on, of the hardness in the body. When your teeth touch each other, or when you when you touch your nails, or so on, this is all hard, this is all hardness. So it's the internal. The point is that we cling to it. We cling to the sensations. It's it's a small part of the sort of things that we cling to. And uh, and conceptually, it's a part. It makes up the body that we cling to, like clinging to the beauty of our hair, and nails, and teeth, and so on, and our skin. Clinging to these things. Uh, they're all based, what he's saying is they're all based on the earth element, even the external stuff. Now, external stuff would be the earth around us, the, the, the capital E earth, and, and matter, actually. No, it would be all the, all the hardness in, inherent in matter around us. The point is that when we cling to it, it causes us suffering, remember, relating back to the Four Noble Truths, right? cling to the body, the physical, or, or any kind of experience, it leads us to suffer, either causing us pain or creating difficulty in maintaining it. You build up your house, you have to maintain the earth element, the hardness of it, or else it falls apart, falls down, cracks and so on, or, uh, or, you, or it causes suffering when it changes, when it breaks. So when one sees that one cannot control these things, when one looks at it, one sees that one cannot find true contentment with the earth element, uh, with things made up of the earth element, because they're actually just earth element, right? Head hair is just earth element, body, uh, nails, teeth, skin, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, it's all just earth. It's not really me, it's not mine, it's not, not an entity. So it's just an experience that arises and ceases. One becomes seeing this, one becomes disenchanted with the earth element and makes the mind dispassionate towards the earth element. Now there comes a time when the water element is disturbed and then the external earth element vanishes. When this external earth element, great as, is it, great as it is, is seen to be impermanent, subject to destruction, disappearance, and change, what of this body, which is clung to by craving and lasts but a while, there can be no considering that is I or mine or I am. Here's a bit of rhetoric, quite useful. It's like, you know, if you, if the earth, if the great, uh, if the great earth, so I guess there's this, uh, this is sort of Buddhist uh, cosmo, Buddhist uh, physics, no? Ancient Indian cosmology. Yusuri Maga does talk about this in quite detail about the four ways, no, the three ways, right? Water, fire, or wind, three ways that the universe can be destroyed. It's kind of interesting. I wonder how it would relate to, or whether it would relate to modern um, cosmological theories. Uh, but it, but, it, but even, even the earth element, the earth, means all, all heavenly bodies, great as they are, or the, or the whole earth that we live on, great as it is, is eventually going to just vanish disappear, be obliterated. Great, as great as it is, 
what of this body? This body, how can we cling to this body as, as being something lasting? So then, if others abuse, revile, scold, and harass Bhikkhu, who has seen this element as it actually is, he understands thus, this painful feeling born of ear contact has arisen in me. That is dependent, not independent. Dependent on what? Dependent on contact. Then he sees that contact is impermanent, that feeling is impermanent, that perception is impermanent, that formations are impermanent, and that consciousness is impermanent. And his mind, having made an element its objective support, enters into that new objective support and acquires confidence, steadiness, and resolution. The point of this is that based on his study of Earth, this occurs. This occurs when you study reality. It's, it seems actually kind of unrelated to his study of, of the Earth element. But it's not just the Earth element. It's actually everything to do with experience, including the Earth element, as an example. But if you take the Earth element as an example, whereas before when others would yell at the bhikkhu, they, he would get angry and upset, now because of, of watching reality and seeing reality as it is, when, when he is harassed, when he is hurt, when, when he is attacked, he, he, he sees it in a new way, it's, which is really, this is actually just a description of how he sees it. It's an explanation of how he sees it. You don't have, it's not a theoretical thing that you have to study this. It's interesting to study and for us to understand this. It's, an, it's actually just a description. Whereas normally you think, oh, that, that jerk who, who reviled me, abused me. Now they think, oh, here's this ear contact that, arisen, that, that has arisen in me and sees that it's dependent, see that it has nothing to do with the person, it's just just a causal chain. And seeing, that as, seeing it as impermanent, seeing it as not me, not mine, not self, and becomes unattached to it, and acquires confidence, steadiness, and resolution. I've got a big, long explanation here, I don't have to go into that. Anyway, it uh, it's it causes the mind to settle down. The mind is no longer jumping around chasing after, for example, the earth element. Are we into the water element? No. Yeah, the earth element. And furthermore, now if others attack that beacon in ways that are unwished for, undesired, and disagreeable, like contact with fish, clods, fists, sti clods, sticks, or knives, he understands thus. This body is of such This body is of such a nature that contact with fists, clods, sticks, and knives assail it. But this has been said by the Blessed One in his advice on the simile of the saw. <coughs> Even if bandits were to sever you savagely limb by limb with the two-handled saw, he who gave rise to a mind of hate towards them would not be carrying out my teaching. So tireless energy shall be aroused in me, and unremitting mindfulness established. <clears throat> my body shall be tranquil and untroubled, my mind concentrated and unified. And now let contact with fists, clods, sticks, and knives assail, assail this body. Really inappropriate. For this teaching of the Buddhas is being practiced by me. So sorry. So even if attacked, as above it was, if there's verbal abuse, 
but if there's also physical physical abuse, it's a really actually a description of the benefits of meditation. It's highly beneficial in the in what it does to you. Our reactions to people's abuse is is uh, changed. We're able to see recognize things. It's not a person. It's not conceptual. It's just reality, which is such a such a relief to look at things as they are. It seems so awful, actually. And when ordinary people hear this, they think, oh, how awful. It's just like ignoring the person. It's like as though the person didn't even exist. And yes, that's the point. What makes it so difficult to understand the Dhamma is you think of it in terms of entities, people. And actually, it's just experiences. And so breaking it apart is such a relief. No more anger, no more hatred of others. No more vengeance. Even if people beat you, and of course it goes back to the simile of the saw, which we studied earlier, uh, the Buddha demands this of us. And recollecting that, he works hard, he or she works hard, and stays untroubled. When that bhikkhu thus recollects the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, if equanimity supported by the wholesome does not become established in him, then he arouses a sense of urgency thus, it is a loss for me, it is no gain for me, it is bad for me, it is no good for me, that when I thus recollect the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, equanimity supported by the wholesome does not become established in me. Just as when a daughter-in-law sees her father-in-law, she arouses a sense of urgency to please him, so too when that bhikkhu thus recollects the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, if equanimity supported by the wholesome does not become established in him, then he arouses a sense of urgency. But if, when he re recollects the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, equanimity supported by the wholesome becomes established in him, then he is satisfied with it. At that point, friends, much has been done by that bhikkhu. So this threw me off before. The, he's not actually recollecting the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. He's recollecting the... Um, He's recollecting the, the element. So I'm not quite sure what he's doing here, but the commentary says that um, recollection of the Buddha is, right, recollection of the Buddha having given this advice, recollection of the Dhamma is this, this teaching that he gives, and recollection of the Sangha is this recollection of monks who do this thing, who, who, who keep their mind tranquil. He who does not give rise to a mind of hate. But I'm more inclined to think that it's just a general um, general sort of non sequitur in the sense of just, just reminding the monks, because you can sometimes do this in a talk where you describe all of this as, as actually um, relating to, if not the Buddha, then the Dhamma, and if not the Dhamma, then the Sangha. And I put more emphasis on the Dhamma here, because Sorry, but it really is focusing on the Sangha in this, or the Dhamma in this passage. It's just, this is just the teaching or reality. But uh, in some way, it's recollection of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, recollection of the teaching, uh, recollection of the Buddhist religion, of Buddhism. It can also be that while he's telling this talk, the monks are getting bored, you see, because if there's ordinary worldlings in the in the audience, sometimes they get bored. And so they may have been all uh, letting their minds wander and getting caught up in uh, unwholesome thoughts. And so he pulls them back and he says, so 
and, and, and by mentioning Buddha, Dhamma, and the Sangha, it has a way of doing that, reminding people that they're not interested in this long discourse about the aggregates or the elements. Uh, it pulls them back by reminding them of the Buddha. And he's kind of done that above. You get the sense that it could have been, this was totally out of left field, could have been that someone was starting to get, or some monks were starting to wander, and so he's, he, he goes back to this. But actually, for these ones, it's more likely that what he's doing is bringing it, making it more practical to them. Practical for them, so these are kind of there. But this one's kind of, anyway, to me, it was just my own, probably my own lack of wisdom. But Sariputta is just brilliant, and this is the thing about the suttas: is they're given to an audience, and you can't ever forget that. And it can be at times that they were given particularly for that certain audience, or there, there's a hint of that in in them. You can't deny that that could be the case in certain. So he's talking about a sense of urgency, and it's still very much, it's not like a total non-sequitur. The whole passage itself is talking about what happens when you when you realize this, the impermanence of all things. There arises this uh, equanimity, which is the height of our meditation practice. And at this point, much has been done by him. So this is the description of the earth element is going to do the same with the water element. So we'll finish up with the water element. What, friends, is the water element? The water element may be either internal or external. What is the internal water element? Whatever internally belonging to oneself is water, watery, and clung to. That is bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, grease, spittle, snot, oil of the joints, urine, or whatever else internally belonging to oneself is water, watery, and clung to. This is called the internal water element. Now both the internal water element and the external water element are simply water elements, and that should be seen as it actually is with proper wisdom thus. This is not mine, this I am not, this is not myself. When one sees it thus as it actually is with proper wisdom, one becomes disenchanted with the water element it makes the mind dispassionate toward the water elements. I mean, really, the point is, remember, we're, we're talking about everything fitting in one one footprint of the Four Noble Truths. And as I said already, we're dealing with very, very small uh, elements. Remember, this is only one quarter of the first of the five aggregates. The water element, the earth, the air, the earth element was what? The first quarter, this is the second quarter. Uh, the second quarter of one part of the first aggregate, which is one quarter of the uh, Four Noble Truths. So we've got a very small part of the puzzle here. And so what Sariputta would, is implying here, and what we see done in the Abhidhamma, is actually going through each and every one of the many parts. And so if you multiply it all out, you're dealing with many, many, many parts and uh, a huge, huge number of things that fit in the Four Noble Truths. And he's just giving a glimpse just giving a taste of that here. So it's not like the water element is, is terribly important. It's not like um, this is, it's, it's imperative that you study these things. But we do, in some small way, cling to these things. And they can be a very useful uh, object of meditation. Because on the other side, we cling to them as being uh, some, well, it's being part of the body which we consider to be beautiful. So studying these things allows us to let go of that, seeing them as being uh -huh, not so wonderful after all.
But again, uh, in terms of experience, we're just talking about all the cohesion in the body, all the fluid in the body. What is fluidity? Fluid, stuff that is fluidy, watery, and clung to. Most important is anything in the body, and then later, or the mind, right, that it's clung to. And again, same thing as before. He's going to talk about water element, external water. Now there comes a time when the external water element is disturbed. It carries away villages, towns, cities, districts, and countries. There comes a time when the waters in the great ocean sink down 100 leagues, 200 leagues, 300 leagues, 400, 500, 600, 700 leagues. There comes a time when the waters in the great ocean stand seven palms deep, six palms deep, two palms deep, only a palm deep. There comes a time when the waters in the great ocean stand seven fathoms deep, six fathoms deep, two fathoms deep, only a fathom deep. There comes a time when the waters in the great ocean stand half a fathom deep, only waist deep, only knee deep, only ankle deep. There comes a time when the waters in the great ocean are not enough to wet even the joint of a finger. When even this external water element, great as it is, is seen to be impermanent, subject to destruction, disappearance, and change, what of this body, which is clung to by craving and lasts but a while? There can be no considering that as I, or mine, or I am. Yeah, not much to say there. The water element, same as the earth, eventually just evaporates. I mean, it's not actually the water element, but the external water outside of the body, the actual conceptual water that we see in the world around us, even that great, great physical thing eventually is is disintegrated. So what of this body? What of this body, which is clung to by craving and lasts but a while? So same thing, and then same thing with the rest of it. That when people attack you, you can think in terms of the water element as well. Think in terms of the elements as being impermanent, suffering, and not so. So then, if others abuse, revile, scold, and harass a bhikkhu, who has seen this element as it actually is, he understands thus. At that point, too, friends, much has been done by that bhikkhu. And that's all for today. Yeah. So thank you all for tuning in.